Hi, this is Abigail Garfalo from University of Illinois Extension serving Cook County. You're listening to Smart Talk. The Mike Nowak Show starts in three, two, one. No second take required. Oh, this is fun. You guys are fun. This is wicked. This is way more fun than my day job. I have a day job. I know, weird. I'm, uh, I'm a small animal vet during the day. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Maybe not after this airs. Yeah, as my mom likes to boast to her friends, he's not a real man or a real doctor. (laughs) Thanks, Mom. Thanks for that. No, this is way more fun. I, honestly, I killed so many cats last week, I might as well change my name to Curiosity. (laughs) It was not good. This is way more fun. This is wicked. I, I have what my friends refer to as a real job. But most of my friends are comics, which means that most of my friends are potheads. (laughs) And to a pothead, a real job is any job you can't show up at work high for. Which is fair enough. I guess I could. I don't think I could pretty much done. Oh oh my god, your cat! (laughs) He's so soft! Where's he going? Come back! (laughs) Stop it! Oh, that's hilarious! Oh, these cookies are dry. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas, wind blowing through breathing trees, strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Good planets are in the main. But I'm still digging out here. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm still tweeting. and Look, a stem and a leaf that was in my bag of stuff here. I'm reminiscing of summer. I guess. Because I was actually looking. It, it occurred to me just as we're getting into the show that uh, for later purposes, I'm going to need some uh, Johnny Cash singing, uh, what is it, uh, Three Feet High and Rising, whatever the, and, and, I, and then I started thinking, I've got that song someplace. Where is it? I have no idea. It's in your car someplace. Could I could I I track it down? Probably not. But I could probably find it uh, uh, um, online. So maybe that's what we'll have. Or maybe I just play "No Rain" by Blind Melon. And the reason I say this is because the storm has whipped through here. And if you live on Lake Michigan, whoo, whoo, you've had an adventure, Um, and uh, an adventure and a half. There wasn't much snow, really. Not enough to to make any difference. Uh, at least not close to the lake. But, uh, wow. Uh, that, that was some storm, some waves, and they're still going. Yeah. 
So I tried to get down to the beach yesterday, and it was closed. I went over to the Open Lands Preserve and observed from up on the hill, and between the wind and the pelting ice pellets. And that brings us to the topic of this part of the show, which is going to be infrastructure, green infrastructure, mm-hmm. and how do you mitigate storms like this? How do you mitigate the water? How do you how do you channel it elsewhere? I've got some questions about that. Believe me, uh, we're going to have Danielle Pereira in studio with us in just a few minutes, um, Vice President of Community Conservation at Openlands. And of course, openlands.org is where you go. Openlands does all kinds of great stuff. In fact, they have a program called Tree Keepers, where ordinary citizens learn how to care for the urban forest. We're going to talk about that too. And Maybe how you can export that to your own community Mm -hmm. if you're not in Chicago. So stick around. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. That's not just a tree in your yard. It's an investment. It's a windbreak. It's a natural work of art. It's part of the family, which is why you want Bartlett Tree Experts to care for your trees. Now is a great time to go to Bartlett.com and see what they can do for you. Did you know that winter's a prime time to have your trees pruned? One of the reasons is that without leaves, the structure of the tree is easier to evaluate. Also, it's a great time to inspect your trees for any visibly hazardous conditions or structural issues. It's also easier now to work around a garden when the ground is frozen. Even during the growing season, Bartlett utilizes the most effective and environmentally sensitive methods to control tree pests, such as beneficial insects to manage the bad insects. And did we mention that Bartlett is the industry leader in safety? Whether it's a small residential project or a major commercial renovation, contact an arborist representative at Bartlett and get a free estimate because every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. In 2019, Openlands Tree Keepers pruned more than 2,500 trees and mulched another 1,500 in the Chicago area. They also helped plant more than 1,000 trees, and they're looking to match that in 2020. Tree Keepers are trained volunteers who advocate and care for nature's most majestic plants, trees. This spring's courses at the Peggy Notabart Nature Museum on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings starting March 29th. To learn more, visit openlands.org slash treekeepers. You want to install a solar energy system for your home, but you're afraid you'll be overwhelmed by choices and jargon. You need to talk to our friends at Albright Solar. Albright Solar offers a boutique, hands-on approach to your situation. They know the ins and outs of local solutions. They take the confusion out of the process and make solar simple, giving you the confidence to enjoy your investment. Harness the power of the sun. Go to albright.solar or call 773-887-6446. This is Mike Novak. The song says it's the most wonderful time of the year, unless you're homeless. And I'm Bill Turk. It's hard to know what to do, but you can design a care kit for people in need, something that will do some good in the short run. And I'm Peggy Malecki. The number one item people need is good socks, high-quality wool or thermal. Hats, gloves, and scarves are also important, along with hygiene products like deodorant, body wash, toothbrushes and toothpaste, Band-Aids, lip balm, wet wipes, even nail clippers. Food products can include high-protein snacks, easy-to-open tuna, crackers and peanut butter, applesauce, granola bar, or fruit rolls. And I put everything in a one-gallon Ziploc bag. And if you can, make a connection. Offer a smile or even your first name. And don't forget to include some feminine products, too. You're not changing the world. Just making one person's world a little better for a little while. 
yeah, excuse me. Shall uh, we sing? No, no, no. See, th- th- this is so perfect because this is. Ex- there we go. How high is the water, mama? Two feet high and rising. How high is the water, papa? She said it's two feet high and rising. <laughs> Well, we can make it to the road in a homemade boat Cause that's the only thing we got left that'll float Yeah It's already over all the wheat notes Two feet high and rise Okay, so here's the story behind that uh, I, No, I said I was going to play something like this And mm-hmm. I tracked it down on YouTube <laughs> Now, I get it on YouTube and I get it all set And I hit pause And of course I come back to it on YouTube And I try to unhit pause and it spins okay it spins <laughs> it sit there it sits it's there and it. it spins and this is on a morning when youtube is already we uh poor mm-hmm. andrew there in the control room is trying to get us live on youtube and youtube says no nope, we're not going to let you log in okay so there you go it's messing with so us so as i was telling danielle pereira Daniela, sorry, Daniela Pereira, uh, who is our, our guest here, uh, during the break, I have lost the ability to care about, <laughs> about YouTube, about Facebook, about Twitter, about Instagram, all of it. And do you feel this great weight lifted from you? No. Okay, I, I don't, uh, but I but I still don't care. I just don't care. So, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and as I mentioned, Daniela Pereira is in studio. I've only been trying to get her on the show for I don't know three or four years, um, and finally, um, I don't know what happened. I I know what happened. You got trapped with me at a table, a luncheon table at the Open Lands Luncheon in October. I made that happen. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow, I've been played. Get out of here. <laughs> oh, well, good for you. I'm, I'm glad to hear that because as I mentioned on my blog post, that's what the Open Lands Luncheon is all about. A thousand environmentalists in the room in Chicago. Um, and you don't, you can't believe it until you, you show there. Kathleen came for the first time. Um, to, and I had told her about this for years and then she walked away saying, Oh my goodness, everybody stands there talking to each other and schmoozing the whole time. Oh my God. Yeah. Take- I, I mean, we usually have like two hours ahead of time mm-hmm. just for that schmoozing. You could get with, a ton of libations work done too. <laughs> with libations at 10 in the morning. How about that? <laughs> I love the fact that you give us an, an excuse to drink at 1030. Uh, or a 10, and here's the problem, though. They started flashing the lights to go into lunch at 10, 11, or, or rather, sorry, 11, 10 is what I meant to say, 11, 10. And you knew... And it took an hour to move took, everyone took in. It an, an hour to get them into the room for lunch, and I said, don't you flash the lights at me. I'm, I just started talking to people out here. I'll go into lunch whenever I darn well feel like it. Because every corner you turn, there's new people. Oh, yeah. And everyone's introducing each other. It's such a great opportunity to um, even meet other people who are doing great things mm-hmm. in the community or in the state or other states. I mean, people will come well, that that's far the thing. away. You're a regional, it's a regional organization. Mm-hmm. So that serves as an introduction. What kind of an organization can get a thousand environmentalists from probably all over the Midwest and maybe other parts of the country to show up for a luncheon one day a year? That's a great question. Uh, so Open Lands has been around for, I believe, 57 years already. Uh, and part of it was that it was really one of the first metropolitan conservation organizations. This is probably around the time of Rachel Carson. You know, a lot of yeah, environmental in the groups. Six, in the 60s, yep, yeah. And a lot of environmental groups were being set up at the time. A lot of them were out west. And 
open lands really looked at inner city being in the city and making sure that there was always conservation of green space um, and really focused on people um, as part of our mission. So it is to keep, you know, clean air and water, but really it's dedicated to um, how people live in the environment. And it's kind of one of a kind organization, isn't it? Oh, you know, I, I'm not sure, at least in this region, it is that it's taking on so many different aspects from policy and advocacy to uh, land buying and preservation to tree keepers, as you heard about earlier, to um, conservation. Well, and you'll hear more about in a second. Plant, and plant sales. <laughs> uh, plant sales. We work in a bunch of different counties. You know, we're part of the Chicago Region Trees Initiative. Um, we do a lot of tree planting work, a lot of environmental education work. So um, we have a really small and mighty office of mm-hmm. people working all over the area. And we really count on our partners to make sure that the work that we are doing is expanding out all over. And if speaking of all over, if you're listening in other parts of the country to this show you should be agitating and saying, how do we join open lands? Or how do we get an open lands in our own neck of the woods? How do we create an organization that does all the things? And that's the amazing part about open lands is that you cover such a broad range. It's Mm -hmm. conservation and um, gardening and Mm -hmm. trees Mm -hmm. and everything else. Education and students and kids. It's just – it it almost seems – uh, completely unwieldy. Let me put it that way. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, you know, and I know that uh, you've got a, a lot of really good folks, and you're you're part of it because uh, Daniela Pereira is vice president of community conservation. What the heck does that mean? I know it's such a big <laughs> title. Um, so there are a lot of land trusts, and uh, Open Lands is a land trust that there is somebody who has this title. Um, at Openlands, what this means is that I oversee a lot of our work within the city of Chicago, expanding out of that, too. But it's really focused on people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, thinking about forestry and how the effects of forestry are on uh, in our urban forest is on people. Uh, you know, we work a lot with students. We do um, the Space to Grow program where we redo the green schoolyards. Um, and so a lot of that focus and outreach into new communities is really uh, what my staff really looks at doing. Uh, and we will get into uh, some of the other stuff, the schoolyards and, and, and so forth. Uh, but I want to let folks know if they go to my website, MikeNovak.net, and you look at that photo, there's the thousand people in the room. I've got a, a photo of the thousand people in the room. I'm, I'm way over in, on the other side of the I'm photo. Not, I'm not in it. Well, actually, because I was taking the photo. but That would have uh, been an interesting... Uh... But my table's not even in it. The table that, that Danielle... Sorry I pulled you into that table yeah. then. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's, a, it's in the grand ballroom at the Hilton, at the Chicago Hilton, which is a huge facility. I almost think you don't want to be in the front row. You want to be... Kind of in the back. Yes, that's, I agree. that's what I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's start speaking of programs that folks could adapt mm-hmm. to their own communities. Mm-hmm. Take this idea, bring it to your city or town, wherever you are in the United States. Tree keepers. I want to mm-hmm. start with tree keepers. One of the reasons I want to start is there's a class coming up, but I just want to go over because I know that one of the reasons you came to Open Lands was to work with tree keepers. And I got some questions uh, about that. But uh, give us the uh, the elevator version of what tree keepers is. 
Uh, Tree Keepers is a program that is now 28 years old. How about that? There you go. You, you get a dig for that. And uh, we have over 2,000 people who have run through this program, and it is a program to teach um, anyone in uh, the region how to understand, care for, and advocate for the urban forest. And I think it gives people a lot of science, but not intimidating science. It exposes you to so many of the people who are working in the region. Each of the classes is taught by a different expert in the field. So that's Uh, coming from Park District. That's coming from Cook County Forest Preserve, the Morton Arboretum. And so you're really getting an exposure to a lot of people in um, the forestry world in our region. And then after you finish your uh, field study and your test Uh, you become a tree keeper and you are one of the only people who are able to go out and prune street trees within the city of Chicago. Uh, I didn't realize there was a legal qualification there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I had no idea. By the way, I'm tree keeper number 417. There you go. It sounds like you need to come back to the full bin. (laughs) (laughs) I need to to get my loppers sharpened, okay, is what I need. Yep, yeah. Um, But so they have... uh, they have permission to go out and tree uh, prune yeah, street we, trees and and mm-hmm. mulch yes and and, and plant and plant mm-hmm. uh, and that's the thing is that they're taught to monitor mm-hmm. trees as well yes um, yes and and in that way take, and there are organized parties that go out and they plant they go out and they mulch together they mm-hmm. prune together uh, all of these tree keepers and. Uh, you, we needed you a couple of years ago, all right, when there was um, some mulching done in Humboldt Park. Are you aware uh, oh, of this? I, I see this all over the city. Yeah, yeah. but but this was a, a, a particularly <laughs> egregious was, incident. This was to the extreme. Yeah, yes. because it was hundreds of trees mm-hmm. that were mulched improperly, Yes, that were volcano mulched. Oh. And I and it was a theoretically a good works thing i i know the group that was responsible for it and it was a bunch of teenagers that, mm-hmm. from all over the planet and they come to various cities across the globe and they do good works yeah. they came to chicago to mulch and they did it wrong yeah. and all i could think of is where were the tree keepers we needed desperately to have the tree keepers there well i'll tell you um the 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 parks usually request that a tree keeper is present during any mulching so i'm not sure what happened in that case but it's it's interesting because it's my parks day we need to utilize as many tree keepers as possible to Mm -hmm. spread across the city so that if anyone wanted to mulch their local park that they had a tree keeper there to actually show them how to do it correctly and hopefully get them really excited about taking care and monitoring trees. Um, Can you imagine the good you could have done if all those kids from all across the planet had learned to mulch correctly? Instead, they were just piling it up. Yeah, you know what? I think that's part of the like tree keepers uh, issue is that we need to reach so many more people mm-hmm. because as soon as you learn this, it becomes something that you will see nonstop in oh, your yeah. life. Well, and <laughs> let's 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 pause a moment here because we talk about this endlessly yeah. on this show, uh, but we need to mention it again uh, because it is about proper mulching. Mm-hmm. Um, now, would you like to explain? I'll let you, Daniela, oh, sure. Sure. Uh, explain why piling mulch up against the side of your tree is wrong. Okay. Well, a lot of people think that you're mulching the tree, and actually you're supposed to be mulching the soil. 
And so that means it should not touch the tree at all. It should be a couple inches away from the tree, maybe two to four inches away from the tree. And um, not these really deep uh, mulch piles that you see that are sometimes like a foot high, you know, maybe four inches. Yeah, not, not a big donut around the tree. Well, donut's fine. Don- donut but, but no, but I mean thick. Yes, yes. About four inches in height is probably the maximum what you want to do. And then in the spring, you kind of want to break up that mulch pile because mm-hmm. everything gets matted down mm-hmm. after winter. And you want to be able to utilize that mulch not only for nutrients but to keep the roots warm, to hold moisture in the area. Um, I mean, mulch is like when people ask us, like, how should I take care of my tree now that I've planted it? It's like, just give it some regular mulch that you could buy locally. Okay. I have a mulch question because there was so much wind yesterday. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people lost their mulch. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Should they go back out and mulch it now? You should mulch at least once to maybe twice a year. So I would wait until spring at this point. Okay. So even if people have bare ground, it's not a big deal right now. yeah, I don't. <laughs> you know, uh, that's a good question. You know, I just watched weather, so much blow away yesterday. Yeah, really, I, I, it's you know, it's interesting. I I can't imagine the, the mulch blowing away like that. It would have to be really soft and fluffy for it to. Some people had leaves piled around. Well, huh? leaves—that's a different story. They are going to blow away, but but, but wood, wood chips are not going to blow yeah. away. And generally, that's what you mulch a tree with. Is, is wood chips. So mm-hmm. I don't think that is particularly an issue. Yeah, if you mulched with, with leaves, well, you have an issue here. Right. Um, but leaf, leaf mulch is awesome. So uh, Yeah, I- for, for all kinds of reasons. The thing is, if you want something slightly more permanent, you mulch your tree mm-hmm. with, with wood chips, uh, bark or hardwood, uh, or whatever. But the problem with the whole volcano mulching, and we'll get on, we're gonna, then we're going to take a break and we'll get to other stuff, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to get to this, uh, is that... Um, Everybody does it. Even so-called, and I'm using air quotes, landscapers go out and do it improperly. And I've asked professionals for years, why is that the case? And nobody has an answer. I have an answer. You do? Yes. Okay. So a lot of times what people are doing, you'll see like around the tree, they usually take the sod away. That has been like a new practice. Mm -hmm. And if the landscapers have to take that back in their trucks, that costs them more money. So what they do is they pile that around the tree and then they put the wood chips over no and it's because a lot of people that's hire, even worse if you hire landscapers i mean you have to be knowledgeable of like that they might not be experts wow so. okay we're going to give uh, the information on the course coming up but that's daniela Pereira from open lands go to openlands.org it's the mike novak show with peggy malecki we'll be right back Hello, this is Brock from Hero Power. Dirty Power is suffocating Chicago. Stop paying for coal to burn and choose the easiest way to switch to clean energy today. Hero Power offers a no-hassle option for Illinois residents to pay for renewable electricity sources like wind and solar and keep paying the same rate as they did with ComEd. The same rate. It's a no-brainer. Your money goes toward renewable energy and you avoid long-term contracts, termination fees, or the need to schedule another appointment. You can do all of this in just three minutes and drastically reduce your carbon footprint right now. So don't just complain about climate change. Do something about it. By switching to Hero Power, you take a huge step towards cutting carbon emissions and utilizing our natural wind and solar energy. It's a reliable and convenient way to switch to paying for premium electricity at no extra cost. Let's fight for a clean energy future together. Get clean energy in just a few clicks at MyHeroPower.com. Enroll today at MyHeroPower.com. 
2019 marked 20 years of Faith in Place, empowering people of all faiths to be leaders in caring for the earth. Not only that, right now is the 10th annual season of the Indoor Winter Farmers Market Program. Enjoy fresh local food from November to April at Indoor Farmers Markets, hosted by 16 Chicagoland Houses of Worship on select Saturdays and Sundays. Faith in Place accepts Illinois Link Card SNAP benefits. For a market schedule and more info, go to faithinplace.org. It's a new year, and Chicagoans are still looking for new and better ways to get healthier. This is Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakenings, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach our area's growing wellness and sustainability market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 engaged monthly readers. Call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more. 847-858-3697. And check us out at nachicago.com. It feels like raindrops. Yeah. Falling from my eyes. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We were talking about flooding uh, during the break. Uh, we were talking about trees before we went to the break with Daniela Pereira, uh, who is vice president of community conservation at Open Lands. Real quick before we move on, because then we can go on to other things. Tree Keepers is having another training session that mm-hmm. starts. March 29th Mm -hmm. at the Peggy Notabart Nature Museum here in Chicago. Uh, If folks want to get involved and be trained to be a tree keeper, what's involved in that? Um, Well, first of all, just go to openlands.org slash trees, and you will find uh, information under tree keepers on how to register. Uh, The classes, uh, you'll have eight classes. Half of them will be field-based classes. Um, they all happen within a month, so they're uh, Sundays uh, from 10 to 2 and Wednesday evenings. And how great of a space at the Peggy Notabart mm-hmm. Nature yeah. Museum, very central. And uh, we've never actually had one of our training programs wow. there. So um, come to that. Uh, you can be a high school student all the way up to uh, any age. Um, and you're once a tree keeper, always a tree keeper. So for those tree keepers <laughs> who might be listening, who need a refresher, um, hint, hint. Um. <laughs> I don't know who you're hinting at. <laughs> um, you could always stop in and drop in for a class and you will be exposed to uh, amazing uh, teachers and a lot of great tree keepers. And are there any suburban programs planned? Oh, that's really great to uh, ask. So we do have things called uh, tree keeper chapters. And what this has been is sometimes when we've had tree keepers courses out in the suburbs, um, there's been uh, a, a push instead of having to come all the way back to the city to go and plant trees and take care of things to actually do stuff within the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now we are in talks with Downers Grove um, to not only set up a chapter there, but to possibly host a, a course there this year. So. Downers Grove. Remember an <laughs> Emo Phillips line. And anybody remember Emo Phillips? Anybody? Anybody in the in the in the room? Uh, he said, uh, Downers Grove, when I was 11, my parents moved. Wait, okay, no, 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 I got it wrong already. He said, when I was 11, I moved to Downers Grove. 
Never mind. I can't even remember. You want to hear one cool thing about Downers Grove recently? <laughs> Go ahead. Please cover for me. They are now um, set up as an arboretum, the entire um, town, um, it, which is phenomenal. So that's why I think uh, tree keepers should be there uh, to make sure that they're caring for the lovely trees that exist um, and hopefully taking care of new ones that they could plant. Um, I do want to just give a shout out that there's Evanston tree keepers out there. There are tree keepers within Chicago called mm-hmm. um, local chapters. So Hyde Park tree keepers, they have programs at least twice a month. Um, Beverly tree keepers, uh, West Cook tree keepers, and uh, Ev- I already said Evanston. So yes. I think That's anything okay. in, in Lake DuPage or McHenry? Not yet. And by the way, I remembered finally, this is, this is why I'm, I'm, I don't do stand up. He said <laughs> when he was 11, his folks moved to Downers Grove. When he was 12, he found them. All right. So there you go. Uh, all right. uh, Moving right along. Uh, yeah. All right. got to talk about other stuff here. We were talking. One of the things you said you really wanted to mm-hmm. discuss was infrastructure and mm-hmm. green infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, and you sent me some things uh, to look at uh, about What's going on, not just here, but across the country? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a study that you sent me about uh, green infrastructure mm-hmm. workforce, and mm-hmm. they looked at cities like Detroit and Denver mm-hmm. and Austin, Texas, and the the potential for green infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, your basic definition of green infrastructure. Uh, green infrastructure um, is anything um, that is uh, alive and growing, but also could be, um, you know, some great infrastructure like pipes, but all to capture stormwater where it falls without it going into our combined sewers that either will um, bypass it once it gets really like tanked up, um, it will bypass uh, the facilities that need to clean it and then it will dump out into our uh, rivers and uh, lake, um, but also uh, green stormwater infrastructure um, helps to reduce basement backup flooding, which is a huge issue in Chicago. Mm. Oh, and yeah. Our region. I got my hand in the air there. We were uh, uh, created on a swamp, so what do you expect, right? And the more <laughs> that we keep building and building and we don't keep um, green space and trees and uh, prairie, you know, where's the water going to go? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we, yeah, we're built on a swamp, but people uh, often associate flooding with river plains, mm-hmm. floodplains. We're not actually a floodplain to mm-hmm. some degree. I mean, you, you, certain rivers like uh, the Des Plaines River flood all the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've worked, I've had people on the show talking about flood issues. Um, Harriet Festing, you probably know her. <laughs> Um, and, uh, she was with the center for neighborhood technology and then, uh, and they've done rain ready stuff. Mm-hmm. And now Harriet's moved on to another flood na- nationwide flooding organization. But that is, uh, a concern all across the country, mm-hmm. um, because we pave over everything. That's part mm-hmm. of the problem, isn't yes. it? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, pave over if you have very heavy clay soils, I mean, Where's the water going to go? And, you know, in terms of this, there's been some really great projects that have happened uh, throughout the region by creating anything from rain gardens to um, stormwater collection in different uh, schoolyards to um, planting of more trees and conserving of more green space. Mm -hmm. 
and that's millions of dollars being put mm-hmm. into projects like this. And the issue that we're seeing now is that the maintenance of a lot of that is not being cared for. And we expect maybe landscapers again. And I mean, I don't want to give a bad name to landscapers, but the the intention is that it is a specialized type of system when you think about green infrastructure and the way that you have to maintain it is more than mm-hmm. just mowing and blowing. You know, yeah. you have to know what the weeds are. You have to know what uh, the native plants are that you want to maintain there. You need it, to know what the soil structure is as you're doing all this stuff as well. Because yeah. if you if you go digging and you change, and Peggy knows this because it happened to her yard mm-hmm. where a neighbor changed the landscape and now her yard floods and yep. a bunch of other yards flood mm-hmm. because of it. Yeah. 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 With things on the next block, totally out of control. They changed it. We're affected. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and so the, the, the fact is that we don't have a system that really trains people to understand that because it's not just the green side of it, but there are things like you have to like uh, vacuum um, the infrastructure in certain ways. You can't put salt around certain areas. Mm-hmm. You know, you might have permeable asphalt or permeable pavers. You know, you have to know how to take care of that. And if you think about like for green buildings, green lead buildings, Um, There was a whole process probably back about 10 years ago where all these buildings were becoming lead, but they didn't have the maintenance staff that knew how to combine what the plumbing looked like, what the electricity was happening, you know, um, uh, the the changes that they had to look at um, to, you know, how to actually even clean with uh, green products. And so it is a specialized type of training that needs to happen that really incorporates a lot of different areas of uh, Mm -hmm. green in order to make sure that these spaces are maintained. Because if they're not maintained, we're putting all that money into it. It's just going to... And the point you you, you make in these articles and the studies that you sent me is that, as you mentioned, architects have a lot to do with this. But this can trickle down to people who don't need those degrees that can do this kind of green work. Those jobs should be available, mm-hmm. but as the studies also point out, and you go to MikeNovak.net, I put the links to a lot of this here, uh, as the studies point out, the pro- people aren't thinking in that direction, mm-hmm. and that's part of the yeah. problem too. Or the certification programs are needed, and contractors might not be aware that they even exist. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, there are some certification mm-hmm. programs that do exist. Yeah. And there's a really great group in Chicago called Green Corps. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do a lot of this type of work. But they're they're a fee for service. So they need to get paid yeah. to do this work. And there's no budget. There's no funding uh, collaboratively within city organizations, agencies who are building this to think together yeah. about creating a budget to pay people to maintain uh, green infrastructure. And I saw that in the Nature Works study that you had sent us. Lincoln, Nebraska, didn't have the money. Once things were put in, they couldn't maintain it. Yep, and that all goes. I mean, you could see evidence of that within our city too. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. You start these projects, and you, and you have to fund them. Um, unfortunately, they're considered fringe ideas. I'll tell you something. The idea of my basement not flooding is not a fringe idea to me, nor would it be to most people whose basements flood. Mm -hmm. So I I have a couple of thoughts on this. We'll get back to Daniela Pereira from Open Lands. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. 
Did you know that there are 17,000 chemicals used in the array of common household cleaners? But only 30% of these are tested for side effects on human health and the environment. In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. The average household has 3 to 25 gallons of toxic materials in the house, most of which are cleaning products. When buying cleaning products, avoid anything that bears a poison label. Duh! but especially products that contain diethylene glycol, formaldehyde-based deodorizers, triclosan, phenols, petroleum solvents, perchloroethylene, and other hard-to-pronounce stuff. Check out sites like ewg.org, who have done the homework for you already. Or make your own. It's an easy, non-toxic solution. I'm Green Diva Meg. Find more useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. I think people get the idea of compost, not as many people get the idea of cover crops. You're totally right. Wait, play that again. You're totally right. Again. You're totally right. Again. Totally right. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We get it right a lot, but we don't always get it totally right, so we like to hear that. Again. You're totally right. Again! Totally right. Sundays, 9 to 11 a.m. on Chicago's Smart Talk, WCGO. Again. Yeah, we're up on Cripple Creek without a paddle <laughs> this morning. Uh, and I'm not going to play much more of this because I know that uh, you two will say, us. yeah, they'll zap us if you do the band. You know, I don't play any Beatles. I don't play any Stones anymore. I don't play Sinatra. I don't play Tony Bennett because they'll just say, oh, no, you don't have the rights. Okay, No great. Beach Boys. <laughs> Uh, no, be- uh, no, I played Beach Boys. We did yeah, Old Lang Syne. Uh, we didn't hmm. get zapped on that. No. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We've got Daniela Pereira. We're talking about, uh, and, and I'm sorry, she's from Openlands. Go to openlands.org, and you could spend days yes. on the website. Just, just saying, folks, mm-hmm. okay? We've been talking about green infrastructure. And, and I want to make a point, which is there's a lot of back and forth about um, the Green New Deal. In all this information you gave me, I didn't see those words once, okay? <laughs> and that's a good thing because that just – you get bogged down by political jargon and nonsense because all the Green New Deal is this kind of stuff. How do we keep our basements from flooding? How do we plant more trees in the city? How do we have more bioswales? How do we have more native plants? All of that green infrastructure. How do we cool our cities? Mm-hmm. Forget forget the titles, folks. Mm-hmm. It's about getting this done. And what Danielle is telling me, and again, if you go to my website, MikeNovak.net, you can read about what the possibilities are. We're not there yet, unfortunately, mm-hmm. are we, Daniela? Uh, we're not. And I think a lot of it deals with that, you know, um, I'm just looking at the, you know, city of Chicago, 
government. I think we have half the uh, foresters that we did probably about 15, 16 years ago. And I'm going to get into that in a second, the OIG report in a second, okay? <laughs> sure. And, and But I mean, I think that affects a lot of the different departments is that, you know, we're struggling with this. And so we're all working within our little silos. And really what we need is a revolution. We need a systemic change. I can't play that. The Beatles, they'll zap me on that totally. That's why she whispered it. So we we really need to think about a systemic change. I mean, like we are dealing with uh, 21st century technology. We're doing all the stuff and our infrastructure is not 21st century. The way we manage it, the way we think about it, it really needs to be step budget for it. It's still focused on gray stuff, as you say, pipes and concrete. And we need to get away from that mentality, don't we? Well, I mean, I think we're going to have to keep some of that, but we really well, yeah, need to start. I'm not start... saying get rid of the pipes. <laughs> I'm saying, can we add the other stuff to yes, it? Yes, and not think of it as a fringe thing, as you've probably mm-hmm. said before. You know, like it has to be fully integrated in the system. And like we take care of our gray infrastructure. Where's the money to take care of the green infrastructure? And so I think um, really getting, you know, we we convened a bunch of the city departments together, a couple other specialists, and people are super excited about this. I mean, they've talked about it internally within their own departments for like years, Mm -hmm. and they're really happy that we're starting to talk about it together because we do need to find solutions. It, It can't be just like, pulling together a budget to pay people to do this, but really start thinking about like, hey, where where should we be planting trees? Where should we put in the rain, uh, the storm uh, water infrastructure? Uh, because really we're doing these like little projects here and there. And really we should be thinking like, hey, if we know that, you know, this municipality, mm-hmm. this area floods all the time, why don't we invest the money in there and do like, uh, linear green infrastructure. Yeah, it would save money. It would save money. Well, that's the point. It, but you got to convince people it's going to save money. It will save money if you're not spending money to fix things that got broken by bad green infrastructure or lack of green infrastructure. You will ultimately save money. Right. How do you get across? Get, you know, and that's been a problem for a long time now is getting that message across. Um, all right, real real quickly here. Um, we talked uh, back at the Open Lands Luncheon, which was, by the way, so far the biggest snowfall of the season on, right? on Halloween. Okay, <laughs> just letting you know. Um, and um, uh, you mentioned a, a report by the Office uh, of Inspector General in the city of Chicago mm-hmm. about tree trimming. Um, and I've wondered about tree trimming, and I've talked to folks about it, including our arborists in the city and um, the Department of Forestry in Chicago. And the OIG sent, uh, uh, the Office of Inspector General sent a letter to Tom Tully, Commissioner of the Chicago Department of Streets and Sanitation. It was titled, Advisory Concerning DSS Inefficient Tree Trimming Operations. And this was in October of last year. Um, and the, basically, here's the deal, is that the city uh, used to do a grid system where they would come and they would prune the trees. And, and for folks listening who are not in Chicago, I, gosh, I wonder what happens in your own city, because mm-hmm. everybody does this a little bit differently. Yeah. And, it, and a lot of it depends on the money, speaking of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but they stopped doing the grid system so that you know, when you did the grid system, uh, all the trees are going to be pruned after a certain number of years. And then you go back to square one and you do it again. Well, they, probably they, economies of scale doing that, uh, you would think. Uh, I don't know. And uh, I think it's more efficient. You get everything done. Here's the problem. They instituted a 311 opt-in 
program. And as I have said for many years on this very radio show, if you want a program to fail, make it an (laughs) opt-in. And they did this also with yard waste pickup, as you might be aware of, but I've been following that because for many years I was president of the Chicago Recycling Coalition. And I have followed the yard waste pickup, and it is a disaster Mm. in the city of Chicago. It's not done in violation of state law, I might add. So the city is not picking up any yard waste. They're telling you, if you call 311, we'll pick it up. Does it go to a composting operation? Who knows? Does it no, even get picked up? Does it get well? It gets picked up, but where does it disappear to? Does it just end up in a garbage truck? So mm-hmm. now we're talking about the uh, arborists and tree trimming in the city. People don't know when their trees need trimming. They're guessing. All right, that's why you have tree keepers. Mm-hmm. The whole point of tree keepers is to teach people about. But there's only two thousand of them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Most people have no clue, mm-hmm. so they don't call which means it doesn't happen. And the the Department of Streets and Sanitation issued some sort of namby-pamby response to it and said, well, you know, it's money and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, all, and all i got to say is you guys are not getting the job done, and mm-hmm. it's it's hurting our trees. Really? Yeah. Uh, um, and and I don't, I'm not going to expect you to make a comment unless you want to, Danielle. Oh, I, I'm, I'm happy to make some comments. Make first, a comment. On- first of all, I want to say that Bureau of Forestry Foresters, we work with them all the time in our intelligent and fabulous people. So um, it, I do not think that this is uh, um, their fault. But the way that Bureau of Forestry being under the Department of Streets and Sanitation, um, it really is a service type of uh, department. And really, you have to think about urban forestry as science. And, you know, I've worked in a couple other cities, and really, they push the, the science, you know, the climate science coming out is the way that you should structure your department and to be able to do this. So, Maybe uh, Bureau of Forestry needs to move out of Department of Streets and well, Sanitation. Well, I think that, I, I'm glad you said that because the thought that occurred to me is Streets and Sand is too big. Mm-hmm. I think maybe there needs to be a split, split off the Bureau of Forestry. We're out of time. Thank you, okay. Daniela Pereira. Go to openlands.org for more information. For those of you listening locally, we'll be back with the second hour. For everybody else, go green or go home. <laughs> Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. AroundTheBlockPress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. 
All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is Welcome back to the mic. No, welcome back. How many stogies? What? Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And um, <laughs> I was just uh, reading uh, uh, some folks following us on uh, Facebook. We've got which, a lot of comments on Facebook And by Facebook the way, today. we're now streaming on YouTube, but I still don't care. Okay. That's the best point of that whole thing is that I don't care. What a jerk move. All right. It doesn't matter. I don't care what you say. <laughs> Don't care if it's up there, and I don't care if you say... What a jerk. All right? I don't care. Um, Nancy Bender wrote to us, uh, Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel better about calling 311 for my yard waste. Before, it seemed my yard waste was always picked up by the regular garbage truck. Well, duh. I'm <laughs> not, not to you, Nancy, but really. Uh, we need to get... Oh, will it let me scroll? The word out, because most people don't know to call 311 for the pickup. Uh, but I'm telling you, I I don't have faith in the 311 pickup, Nancy. I just don't. I don't think that the city has this on their radar at all. I think they can't even recycle. Um, they're, you know, again, and that was an idea that we talked about at the end there with Daniela Pereira. Um, I've been thinking about it, and... I think it's time to break up Department of Streets and Sand. I think they, it's too over. I, I know the word streets is in there, so that covers everything. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe we break off the Department of Forestry and. Uh, Department get, of Recycling. Well, the Department of Recycling, to some degree, was monitored, at least in the old days, by the Department of the Environment, the late, great Department of the Environment. Hey, I, I hear Lori Lightfoot's bringing it back. Oh. Haven't heard anything about that, have we, in in the last, how many months now since Am she's I been Am I hearing in? crickets in my headsets? Uh, you want me to find those? I can find some uh, crickets for that because that's that's kind of what we've been getting. Um, and, you know, I keep waiting to hear from the city. It's not of, even, and we'll get to it next year. Oh, I just keep hearing. Oh, the environment? Recycling? Street lights? Okay, there we go. Uh, I don't understand it. I do not understand it. I don't, I do, I'm just waiting for a sign, a sign from above that the city of Chicago is actually paying attention. Even a whisper. To anything. To any of it, to any of it. And yeah, I know that there are big problems, there are financial problems. Guess what? We hire people to walk and chew gum at the same time. So, uh, Nancy, uh, good for you. Glad you opt in. Uh, I give my yard waste to Peggy uh, and pay her to have it disposed of in Lake County. <laughs> I know. And she legally. Sh- legally. She schleps it up because she knows that Lake County does it. So anybody who wants to have their yard waste in Chicago picked up, contact Peggy. No, 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 no. And uh, I will give you her. There's folks listening. Her personal phone number <laughs> right now. Stand by. It is seven zero eight. No, never mind. Zero 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 zero. It's the only way I know how to get it done. It's the only way I trust that it'll. Uh, so I, I, I 
by the way, I have bags of yard waste in my garage. Call Hudson 3 to 700. <laughs> or, or what's that? Uh, um, uh, that the, 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 oh, the song about I saw your number on the bathroom, that one, <laughs> bathroom wall. Uh, I'll play that when we come back. Anyway, uh, guess what? what? It's, it's Never mind. I'll play it and then you'll go, oh, that song. Okay. Uh, I don't know the name of it. I just know the song and it kind of in my head. And uh, anyway, we, it's January. We got conferences come up. One of the best in the business is next. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Blecky. When it comes to tree care, it's all about the science. Well, there's love and history and family, too, but you definitely want the best science for your trees. That's why you should contact Bartlett Tree Experts at Bartlett.com. With 120 offices around the world, including Canada, England, and Ireland, Bartlett is the largest residential tree care firm in the world. Their work is backed by the science of the Bartlett Research Laboratories in North Carolina. They pioneered integrated pest management or IPM in the 1970s, introduced the first organic fertilizer, and now Bartlett is the first and only tree care company to research the benefits of biochar on urban soils and tree health. At the same time, they're focused on you and your needs, meaning that they'll do the right thing for your tree and you. Put science to work for your trees. Get a free estimate today because every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Illinois has become a national leader in solar energy installation, and right now you can save 60 to 70% on installation costs. You want it for your home or business, but you don't know where to start. So give our friends at Albright Solar a call. Albright Solar offers a boutique, hands-on approach to your situation. They know the ins and outs of local solutions, and we've worked with them for a decade. They're good people, and they know their stuff. Go to albright.solar or call 773-887-6446. This is Treekeeper number 417 telling you that there are now more than 2,000 open lands treekeepers who work throughout the region to keep trees healthy, administering proper care, and promptly recognizing and reporting harmful pests. You can add your name to that list this spring by signing up for the Treekeepers course at the Peggy Notabart Nature Museum on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings starting March 29th. To learn more, visit openlands.org slash treekeepers. If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contract. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at restorethenorthshore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good.
fat is an earworm. That's the song, okay, that I was, <laughs> and I remember the name of it. <laughs> You know, Jenny, it's 8675309. By Rick, what's his name? By, uh, well, it's, uh, who's it by? I don't know. Rick, what's his name? I'm sure one of our listeners will tell us. Yeah, and they they were telling us anyway. It's it's 8675309. Okay, that's. 7732. Don't do that. (laughs) I can play that. I can go find one of those commercials and we can do that. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, Before we get to Robert Neville, I want to go back to Nancy Bender, who has been um, writing to us on Facebook about the 311 opt-in pickup for yard waste. Um, And she writes, I totally agree with you um, that... um, that I don't trust that it's being recycled, but at least the truck that picks it up is normally labeled from the Department of Forestry. So I'm glad to hear that. That's just um, fantastic. So it gives me a little hope. Um, So the problem is, Nancy, I don't have time. When I throw my yard waste out, I don't have time to wait to see what kind of truck I don't know how you've managed to to see it. I mean, it just yeah. And if the wrong truck picks it up, what do you do? Um, say stop, put that back, mm-hmm. and get the right truck. Yeah, like that's yeah. that's going to happen. And Andrew Federowski gets the ding. Rick okay. Springfield. Rick Springfield. Okay, thank you. All right, welcome back. Uh, we've got folks on the phone um, uh, right now. As I said, uh, January is a perfect time to have a conference about almost anything in the environmental world, sometimes in the gardening world, but one of the best conferences of all is something called the Martin Luther King Jr. Food Justice and Sustainability Weekend. And it is held each year by KAM Isaiah Israel Congregation on the south side of Chicago. They're at 1100 East Hyde Park Boulevard. You can go to kamii.org slash mlk and just like that i've gotten all the pr stuff out of the way which means that i can go to robert neville on the phone robert good morning good morning mike and peggy good morning uh so good to talk to you uh as always it is that time of year and you you and i have been sharing this information now this is the 11th year of the uh, food justice and sustainability weekend that's right. It's the 11th year, and I think it's the first time in the 11 years that I have not actually been in studio with you. And I confess I'm having some separation anxiety about that. <laughs> but uh, You should. I uh, <clears throat> miss, miss seeing you in person, and, and you as well, Peggy. And your listeners, I'd like to remind them that you have been a, a, a major supporter of the work that we have been doing these last now 11-plus years. Um Without you, I'm not sure we would have uh, arrived at where we are now. So your listeners should understand the, the the significant role you play both in our program and in the green community in Chicago. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I think you would have made it anyway, and we've uh, done this over three uh, radio stations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my my dining room tabletop, and I will repeat the story that I've told before, uh, which is that several years ago when I was in the Internet wilderness, actually the Intertubes wilderness, um, I was interviewing Robert Neville uh, to post on a podcast. And we went, had a great conversation for about 20, 25 minutes. And I was editing 
the podcast and the computer froze. Uh Uh-oh. And I realized I hadn't saved it yet, which meant it was done. And it was so embarrassing. I had to pick up the phone, call Robert and say, got another 25 minutes that you can uh, share with me? And he very graciously said, yes, and you saved my bacon that day, Robert. (laughs) Well, I, I, I was happy to do it, to do it. (laughs) <laughs> so anyway, and I do remember. I do remember. I do remember that very well, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you do. Uh, Much as he tries to scrub it from his memory. Yeah, I know it's it's still it's burned in there. Uh, so anyway, this year uh, you got to me early and said, "Hey, Michael, uh, you need to know about this." Uh, because we're taking, uh, you know, your your conference is divided into two parts. You've got the Saturday afternoon part, which is, by the way, next Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Sunday is, uh, and that's the community design workshop, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but then again, on Sunday, uh, for the morning and for the early afternoon, you have a ton of seminars featuring some of the uh, brightest uh, and sharpest people in the environmental world in the Chicago area to talk about various subjects. Um, but you, right. and and so what I would advise people to do right now, and I gave the the website before, but you can go to uh, K A M I I. I'm looking it up dash here. Org. Dash org slash M L K, and you'll find all that. Or you can go to my website, MikeNovak dot net, um, and it has the links to that. Um, but you said to me, hey, our, our Saturday afternoon community design work, workshop is going to be really special because you're looking at a real space. And it's not like you, it, they're going to give it to you so you can do your, your project on it. But this is something that you think might be able to work and you want to explore this. It, it, tell us a little bit about that, Robert. Right. It's, it is it is a um, – <clears throat> to start with, uh, an, an academic exercise, and we hope, as we do every year, that from that exercise something uh, actual uh, happens, and that has been the case in a number of uh, from a number of these sessions. But uh, what we're going to do this year, uh, and I want to remind your listeners, actually, if I may, that the weekend is is free and open to all. The there is a registration. And that is simply so that we're sure that we have enough food and beverages to serve everyone who shows up. But it is free and open to all. Uh, the the site this year, uh, in the past, we have uh, demonstrated to the uh, assembled uh, the how folks in the business think about designing an urban growing site. And we typically pick a several acre site and go through many of the issues involved in setting up a growing site, whether it's row crops or food forest, uh, whether it's the roof of a big box store or a Chicago public park, but how that space can be transformed into a growing site. This year, year six of a seven-year cycle for us in which we are associating the work that we do with climate change, we're looking at actually the 470 acres of the South Work site, the former U.S. Steel South Work site uh, down on the uh, Lakeshore Drive in between, I believe, 79th and 91st Street. It's 470 acres. Uh, and for those listening, the uh, what is 470 acres? Well, uh, to give you an idea, the size of that Central Park is 840 acres. 
The Chicago Loop is 1,011 acres. So the U.S. Steel site, the largest open site probably in Chicago, on the lake is half the size of Central, uh, half the size of Central Park. It's almost twice the size of Grant Park. It is larger than the Northwestern and the University of Chicago campuses together. And what we're going to suggest in those two hours is a rethinking of that former industrial site and turning it into a public food forest for the city of Chicago. That is ambitious, and it's a wonderful idea because one of the things that uh, folks might know or they might not know is that site is sitting vacant right now. Mm-hmm. And there have been pro- right. th- there have been proposals to put in various projects there, and over the years they've all fallen through. Uh, and I think, right. and and I think I I have a a sense of why, which leads us to our other guest, who's also on the phone, and that is Andrew Marginot, who is an assistant professor in the Department of Crop Sciences at the University of Illinois College of Agricultural, Consumer, and Environmental Sciences. Andrew, it's good to have you back on the show. We keep kind of passing in the night we never really get you booked in here solidly it's like you come in and you comment for a few minutes on the phone and then you disappear you're you're gotta come in the studio one these days you're a mysterious guy andrew hi mike well thanks for having me back uh i'll make it up there one of these days it's a little tough right we're 140 miles south exactly uh but so what am i thinking about this site the old uh south works for u.s steel uh, and all these d- developments have fallen through, and it makes me wonder: Do you think that's a soil? Since you're a soil guy, is that a soil issue? In in, in particular, is it a soil issue about contamination? It could be. The hmm. it's kind of tricky because one simply has to get tested to really find out for sure what's going on. But if you've had an, if, if there's any site that has a history of manufacturing or of industry there's a higher probability, I'll say, that there might be some contaminants like lead, but also things like arsenic, cadmium, zinc, things that we don't think of as much. All right. So you're going to be part of this uh, program on Saturday. Uh, What do you you hope to bring to the table in terms of transforming a 470-acre former industrial site into a public food forest? (laughs) What do you think you bring to the table there, Andrew? Well, things that, um, things that we know that we bring to the table would be evidence-based approaches. And for soils and cities, this is a big challenge. There's really not that much known out there. And there's a couple of unknowns for Chicago that we've been working on for about a year now. This is a project with Advocates for Urban Ag, AUA, as well as with um, Extension from the U of I. Zach Grant is involved on this. And what we're trying to answer is, where in the city do we have lead in the soil? So we're going to bring a better version of a map of soil lead that we've completed, and it'll give us a pretty good 30,000-foot view of where might there be hot spots of lead across the region. And so seeing where this park falls into that is pretty critical. The second thing is that we're also doing some more uh, experimental work in the field and in the greenhouse to understand if you have lead in your soil, how much actually makes it up into the crop that you then consume. And this last question is completely unknown as far as we can tell. There's very precautionary guidelines of if you're at this level, walk away. But what we're finding from our data is that there can be elevated lead, 
still below what the EPA thinks is problematic. But there's not much that makes it up into, for example, tomato fruits or into the leaves of leafy greens like kale or chard. And so we hope to also present this data that we've collected. Yeah, and this is something that I've looked at over the last few years, too, because you get asked that question a lot in Garden Talks about uh, lead uptake. And as you just mentioned, it's uh, a young science right now. And uh, folks like you are studying this, but uh, the bioaccumulation, and I believe that's the term for it, isn't it, Andrew? That's correct, yes. Bioaccumulation, which means the uptake of these uh, toxic materials into uh, our plant material, especially edibles, mm-hmm. is still something that we're we're not quite sure of. Although we do understand, as you mentioned, that the fruiting bodies, for the most part, tend not to accumulate these toxic uh, substances. So that's that's good for people. But what are the other ramifications of this? All right, we have a minute and a half. So Robert, um, this is all part of it, and and so you're going to talk to folks there. Uh, Andrew will be one of them. What do you hope to accomplish uh, on Saturday? Well. Well, uh, I, uh, quickly, I want to say that a food forest isn't necessarily food for humans entirely. So the work that we're going to be suggesting uh, next Saturday, a food forest, uh, has, has other salubrious effects potentially for the community as a large. What we're hoping to accomplish uh, is, in, 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 and what we have has been our sort of uh, motto for since our program started is we're hoping to chart a path and light that way and hope that those who come in contact with this uh, will join us on that journey. So they can come and learn from people like Andrew and Jen Walling and uh, Dr. Dorian Miller and Dr. Gita Maida-Clark, and they can come and learn, see the path that they've taken, and join us on that work. We have to kind of leave it at there. Andrew... Uh, Marganot and Robert Neville, thank you so much. It's next weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Go to kamii.org slash MLK. You will not regret it. We'll be right back. I'm Dr. Anthony Lazarus, and this is Climate Connections. When the forecast calls for heavy rain, Helen Lekovich braces for the worst. You don't go to sleep, you set your alarm, you continuously wake up. You get in your car in the middle of the night, you drive to see what is it doing, how close is it coming. Lekovich lives in Midlothian, Illinois, downhill from a small creek that overflows during heavy rain. Fast rushing water inundates yards and homes. It's terrifying. At one point it heaved my three-car garage off the ground. It has heaved all of my landscaping, the bushes. She says Midlothian has always had a problem with flooding, but it's gotten much worse in recent years. We have extreme fast rains. We're getting one and two inch rains in an hour and a half. That's something that didn't used to happen. Lekovich leads a group of residents fighting for flood relief. Largely because of their efforts, the region's stormwater management agency is now spending about $8 million to widen the creek channel, enlarge culverts, and divert stormwater. It's progress but Lekovich says it does not fully solve the problem. Many homes could still flood when the most intense rains strike. So as weather grows more extreme, the risks remain. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. Learn more at YaleClimateConnections.org. 
Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook and YouTube at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. We're also at TheGreenDivas.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on the Smart Talk Radio Network. Podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. Sign up to get our newsletter on the homepage and support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. I didn't come here looking for Jesus. I brought him along with me. Well, didn't it rain? God's gonna send the water from Zion. It's gonna rain as heaven up high. It's gonna rain, rain, rain. Well, it's gonna rain. God's gonna send the water. Hello. Hello. There we go. There we are. Uh, <laughs> Rain and sleet and snow. It's Sunday morning after all. you got to have a little uh, hand clapping music. <laughs> and there you go. And since we've had sleet and snow and rain and everything else, but uh, probably not where our next guest is. Um, and you folks who listen to Smart Talk in Chicago on WCGO uh, 1590 and 95.9 uh, might know that there's a new show. It debuts this afternoon at 3 p.m., and the host of that show is with us right now, and that's Elizabeth Alfano. Good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. And to add to the lineup here, so now we start at 7 a.m. and go to 4 p.m., and I'm going to tell people right now, you just you solder that dial. You just don't Ooh. move it. Get rid of those those lame stations, the 50,000 mm-hmm. waters, like the, you know, Gargantua <laughs> Radio and the all, all news. those things down the dial. And the NPR thing. Get them out of there. And just uh, <laughs> solder your dial on Sunday and start uh, at 7 a.m. Uh, and move right through 4. And uh, Elizabeth will wrap it up. And uh, uh, I'm going to let you tell me what the Elizabeth Alfano show is going to be all about. Well, first of all, I'll just say I like the way you roll. Solder that <laughs> dial, everybody, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Absolutely. I'll be wrapping up the afternoon from 3 to 4 with the Elizabeth Alfano Show, and it is the first and only plant-based radio show in the nation. Woo-hoo. So lots. I know. I know. Ring the bell for me. I'm super excited about it. So a lot of people ask me, what the heck is a plant-based radio show? <laughs> yeah, what the so, heck? What the heck is right. So, you know, more and more people are working in the veg and getting out the meat, and they're interested in their heart health, so there's more and more news about it. So at the top of the hour, I'll be breaking down the news, and that's anything from health news to environmental news and how our diets can affect these things. It might be about Beyond Meat, it might be about the Impossible Burger, who knows, whatever the news is of the day. And then really the bulk of my show is about interviewing the people who are making the world a better place for us, for the planet, for animals. So that might be, you know, plant-based entrepreneurs or scientists or authors or celebs or athletes. You just don't know. So I'll get in-depth with them and and what they're doing to make the world a better place. And then, of course, I will wrap up with food, food tips, food snacks, cooking tips, healthy lifestyle tips, health tips. So, you know, it is all about the food people after all. So it's going to be a jam-packed hour. You got to tune in. Well, you and Peggy have a lot in common because she publishes Natural Awakening Chicago. Um, and this is right in her wheelhouse. So I'm going to I'm, I'm sure she has a couple of questions for you. Yes. 
So I think it's it's really great that this new show is starting. I think uh, documentaries like last year's Game Changers have made a lot of people more aware of um, vegan athletes or plant-based. Um, but a lot of questions that I do get often as, as a publisher from somebody who has not started plant-based, they don't know where to start. So are you going to be covering things like how to help move slowly into a more plant-based lifestyle? I love that you ask me this. First of all, a little shout out again to my show, Game Changers. The cast is going to be on my show February 2nd. So, you know, Mike, you were saying like, oh, forget NPR. Well, I'll just go ahead and say forget the Super Bowl. Forget the Super Bowl. February 2nd. You don't need no be, Super Bowl. You don't need no Super no Bowl. February 2nd. Super Bowl. <laughs> yes, right. February 2nd is going to be the Game Changers cast. Excellent. Live from Sundance, actually. Uh, Sundance Film Festival on my show. So that's going to be super fun. But uh, Peggy, you're absolutely right. This show isn't for vegans or even the people who are already plant-based. They know what they're doing. This show, really my show, the Elizabeth Alfano Show from 3 to 4 p.m. on the Smart Talk Radio Network and WCGO, uh, is really for those people trying to get in the groove. So, okay, maybe you've heard, like, it's better for your health. It's better for the planet. But now what do you do? You know, it's, you just kind of got to wrap your mind around it. And the big shift comes in figuring it out in your head, and then the rest all comes from there. So the show's really about helping people do that. Mm-hmm. So when you say better for the planet, now we talk a lot about green living. We talk about the planet. We talk about the environment and gardening. How does that fit into a plant-based diet in, oh, 30 seconds? <laughs> right, yes, okay. Uh, of course, I'm going to save the world here, people, in about 30 seconds. Yay, um, okay, well, yay. then we don't have to anymore. Okay, great. <laughs> Let's Take pack a it break, up, Peggy. You guys. <laughs> um, well, so it's such an enormous topic, but I'll try to break it down here. So you've maybe heard that cow farts and belts add to carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. But in addition to that, if we cut down trees so that we can grow corn, wheat, and soy, Do we give that food that is whole grain and has protein, do we give it to people? No, craziness. We give it to animals and then we have to tick-tock, tick-tock, wait for about a year till we get something back from the animals. Meanwhile, we've given them lots of land, lots of water. This is just an environmental equation that doesn't make sense for our planet, doesn't really make sense for people either because we could be giving that food to people So there's that. And then if that's not environmentally tricky enough, then we ship these animals, usually live, around the country, slaughter them, and then ship that meat again around the country. So now you're talking all this fossil fuel that comes out of the animal agriculture equation. So that's why animal agriculture, some people say, is the first leading cause of climate change. Some people say it's the third. Some people say it's the second. There's lots of different stats on that. The point is it's big, and we can do something about it easily, you know, three times a day or even once a day, even try to every once every other day, you know, you can just kind of work in a little bit more veg. So I don't know. Does that answer? Does that save the world, people, in about 30 seconds? Uh, well, no. It, what it does is it alerts them to this issue. I mean, that's the important thing. Knowledge is power, and knowledge leads to action if you let it, uh, which leads me to a couple of questions. And see, now I'm going to go from the sublime to the ridiculous here. Okay, one, one of my questions is a radio question, and the other is a food question. Okay, so let's start with the radio question. Are you doing this live, or do you do this ahead of time? 
Oh, I'm doing it live. I mean, every once in a while, I'll have to do it ahead of time. So sure. the Game Changers, I did you know, record ahead of time because it was done from Sundance. And right before the film became public, I was on the red carpet there with them. So, you know, that's, of course, ahead of time. Uh, but, you know, usually it's live. Like today. Is today a live show? Today's live. Yay. You're okay. listening in, right, Mike? All You'll right, be there. I'm counting on you, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Here's the food question. The Impossible Burger. Uh, yes. I'm hearing that it's actually pretty good that people are eating that thing and they're saying, it's not bad. What, what do you hear about this? Oh, my word. Well, I'm surprised that you're saying this because uh, I, w- I would say for about a year now, because I'm pretty deep into this, obviously, everyone has been saying the Impossible Whopper at Burger King and also the Impossible Burger, which is their We're version, not starting at Starting an King. Impossible Pork now, too. Oh, wait a second. And there's, yes, there's, I didn't are. even know there was more than one version oh, of yeah. this. Oh, oh, they're starting yes. Impossible Pork as well. Well, yes. yeah, but, but you said there's an Impossible Whopper mm-hmm. and an Impossible... What's the difference between the Whopper and the other burger? Well, so you can go to White Castle and get the Impossible burger oh, the slider the impossible slider oh my it's gosh really exciting it's in, and um, people love it duncan the the donut place also has um, ah in their close, breakfast sandwich close but not exactly that's going to be beyond meat so beyond meat burgers are at duncan donuts carl's jr um they're starting in Kentucky Fried Chicken. They're at Subway Meatball Sandwiches. So there's Beyond Meat everywhere. Um, and then there's the Impossible Whopper at uh, White Castle and at Burger King. And so basically, you really can't go to a fast food place anymore and not get some kind of plant-based option. Except for Arby's. Uh, Arby's, get with the program. <laughs> People, we are waiting on you. How are they going to slice that? You know, that's their whole deal as you go on and you watch them slice the thing. Okay, now hold on. You're talking about sliced meat. So let me tell you, my second guest on my show, not today, but next week, is going to be the Shark Tank success, Mrs. Goldfarb, basically Jenny Goldfarb, who started plant-based corned beef, and she got Mark Cuban of Shark Tank to invest big. So sliced meat is coming for sure. And if you doubt me, I'm going to give a shout-out to a restaurant that I love in Chicago 60 seconds. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Upton's Break Room. It's on West Grand. They have plant-based Italian beef. So it's possible, and it's coming, and it's better for you. I mean, this is sure. still processed yep. food. You know, obviously, it's not a carrot, but um, it's better <laughs> and, for you. And, and just opening, Salmon Gertie's, the world's first vegan oh. Jewish deli opening in Chicago. I love them. So they did open already. They opened on Friday, and mm-hmm. uh, they also have a big mail-in business. I love them. Andy and Gina Kalish, they own Kalish. All right. Kalish, in, and in, they ten, also in 10 seconds, the who's on the yeah. show today? Who's on the show today? Oh, Lori Allen, voiceover artist extraordinaire. You've heard her in Toy Story, in Despicable Me, in Inside Out. On She's Diane Simmons on Family Guy. She's, SpongeBob uh, SquarePants. Yes, she's Pearl Crabs on SpongeBob uh, SpongeBob uh, SquarePants, so Hollywood starlet. She All is right, live the Elizabeth Alfano Show today oh. at 3 p.m. You guys, so fun. Thanks Break for a having leg. me. Hello, this is Brock from Hero Power. Dirty Power is suffocating Chicago. Stop paying for coal to burn and choose the easiest way to switch to clean energy today. Hero Power offers a no-hassle option for Illinois residents to pay for renewable electricity sources like wind and solar and keep paying the same rate as they did with ComEd. The same rate. It's a no-brainer. Your money goes toward renewable energy and you avoid long-term contracts, termination fees, or the need to schedule another appointment. You can do 
do all of this in just three minutes and drastically reduce your carbon footprint right now. So don't just complain about climate change, do something about it. By switching to Hero Power, you take a huge step towards cutting carbon emissions and utilizing our natural wind and solar energy. It's a reliable and convenient way to switch to paying for premium electricity at no extra cost. Let's fight for a clean energy future together. Get clean energy in just a few clicks at MyHeroPower.com. Enroll today at MyHeroPower.com. Farm Forward is helping to change the way our world eats and farms to promote conscientious food choices, reduce farmed animal suffering, and advance sustainable agriculture. We are changing policy, changing farming, and changing the story by working with farmers to build alternatives that put animals, farmers, and communities first. To learn more about Farm Forward's work to end animal suffering and advance sustainable agriculture, visit www.farmforward.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter and find out what you can do to help. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Farm Forward. 2019 marked 20 years of faith in place, empowering people of all faiths to be leaders in caring for the earth. Not only that, right now is the 10th annual season of the Indoor Winter Farmer's Market Program. Enjoy fresh local food from November through April at Indoor Farmer's Markets, hosted by 16 Chicagoland Houses of Worship on select Saturdays and Sundays. Faith in Place accepts Illinois Link Card SNAP benefits. For a market schedule and more info, go to faithinplace.org. Guys falling down and the creek is coming up that old rickety bridge. Lord is running out of luck. Nothing left to do but let the river overflow. It'll be better. It'll be better. It'll be better when it's better, I suppose. It'll be Welcome better. back. It'll be better. To the Mike It'll Novak show with Peggy Malecki. That of course is our friend uh, Mark Borak. And um, we have a, a, a just a real brief correction to make. Uh, thank you, Andrew. Um, and, uh, it's over the song and see, and I was looking at the song and I'm going, that's, you were telling me Rick Springfield and I was thinking, no, that, that's not, that, yeah, that's it was not a different right. Song. So yeah. whoever our listener was, that was Mr. Turk. Was that Turk? Bill, you don't know what the heck you're talking about, dude. And no, so, no, Mr. Turk said it's Tommy Tutone. Oh, t- t- Bill, Bill, you know exactly and what you're talking Amos. about. As did Amos. Uh, so whoever. Amos Barrow also said it was, um, Tommy Tutone. Okay. So there we go. And so. So for our other listener... Shut up, Wesley. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Let's get Rick DeMaio uh, on the phone here. Rick, the storm has passed, and um, it's very funny. I read your email earlier on the air. You're almost apologizing that there wasn't enough ice and snow. <laughs> I, that's pretty hilarious. Well, only because, you know, when meteorologists forecast something, they're the ones, trust me, who want it to happen more than anything. Even though it's going to be terrible, highly impactful, in the end, we want to be right. <laughs> uh, and by the way, Andrew has got snow falling on our uh, live stream, our video live stream. He added the snow because I don't think he got enough of snow last night. So we're all we're all kind of disappointed, Rick. Uh, so, but we'll yeah, just yeah, yeah. But but I just you know, word of caution here is in each one of my reports that went out, um, I kept mentioning that there were going to be several components to this storm that may not come together. Um, not every storm is going to be exactly as you forecasted three or four days in advance. And this thing, more than anything, mm-hmm. um, had a lot more doubt to it than most storms going into it. And then when you look at it from a standpoint of what happened and what could have happened with the conditions, 
Um, that part worked out pretty well. I think one of the things that I mentioned was that the lake is uh, a little bit warmer than normal. I got a feeling that the numerical models probably didn't um, have that in their overall scheme of analysis when they started out with their shorter-term forecast. But I think more than anything, Mike and Peg, was the long, long line of squall line-type thunderstorms, which basically started out over pretty much the central areas of Illinois all the way down to the Gulf Coast and proceeded to move eastward for almost 24 hours. And I've seen this before. That blocked the northward push of moisture, which did not get into the storm system. Uh, and that was one of the reasons why we just didn't get enough um, sleet and ice and snow on the northern side. Even watching the Weather Channel last night, which I don't normally do, uh, someone had asked Jim Cantori up in Milwaukee, they go, Jim, what's the one thing that you think was um, under, underperforming in this particular event? He goes, quite frankly, I thought we'd have 8 to 12 inches of snow from northern Illinois into southern Wisconsin. So it's not like, not like you know, people were like going out on a limb on this thing. There was a general consensus that that was going to happen. But at the same time, when you look at how those thunderstorms really kept that moisture from moving northward, that was one of the reasons why we didn't get what we thought we would get. Bottom line, though, we still got over an inch of rain um, this yeah. far north. And if this was a more normal winter with the more cold air coming south, you're looking at a foot to a foot and a half of snow. Wow. So yeah. in the end, you always have to look back at a storm and learn from it. You don't just go into it, go in, and happen, you learn from it, and then we learn from it. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, you uh, you called it right. I wasn't blaming you for anything because you uh, were saying several days out, there, look at the two different models. You sent us a PowerPoint and said, okay, here are the two different, right. two different models. And what was weird and interesting is even on television, I saw some folks going, well, this model's saying this, but this one's saying that. Uh, so even, right. even the folks on TV were being very oh, yeah. cautious about yeah. it. Uh, yeah, but you know what? It's interesting. If you, if you look real quick, if you look on the National Weather Service Facebook site, mm-hmm. you wouldn't believe how many people are nailing the Weather Service for not forecasting or not having what they forecast. And, and that's just social media. That's just cowardice, yeah. where people really don't know how to talk to people in a, in a, you know, in, in a human, dignified way. <laughs> yeah, that's just people <laughs> venting, yes. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, Rick. Whoop. No, no. What what what's in, are you there? I yes, yeah, we're here. We're here. Yeah, yeah. What's what's important to note is that when you get all this um, lakeshore flood ro- erosion, it's occurring because there's only 1.3 percent of the Great Lakes covered with ice. And then when you're getting sleet and freezing rain in the middle of January, as opposed to all snow, these are the type of the storms that you're getting with the warmer climate. You're getting more mm-hmm. beach erosion. You're getting more in the way of sleet and freezing rain. And in the end, these things probably ended up causing more duress and more of a negative economic impact than a normal snowfall would have been uh, creating across this part of the United States. We had uh, Daniela Pereira from Open Lands on the show earlier today as she was leaving off air. She was, do you remember her saying uh, the, the lake levels? She says they're, they're another 11 inches they're, this they're year. They're talking about the possibility of lake levels rising by another 11 inches this year. Have you heard anything like that, Rick? No, but that doesn't surprise me due to the fact that you know, it looks like we're already setting up for a much uh, wetter um, a spring and probably a much wetter summer. I mean, I'm in Boston right now. You know that, guys, right? I'm at the right, right, right. Yes. Where, it's, where it was we, 70 we, degrees we, yesterday. 
and it's and it's sixty seven right now. Wow. It's sixty seven degrees in Boston in January, and there's no snow on the ground. And you, and you look at this and you go, okay, this is really weird. I mean, this is the second time I said this. The other time was the twenty sixth and twenty seventh of December, and now I'm in another part of the country a month later, and you see people walking around going, okay, this is really weird. And I said this before. If there's any way to recruit people to understand that the climate is changing, put them in the middle of the winter or the middle of the summer and have the most weirdest weather occur, and they'll go, yeah, I think I finally got it. I think I'm converted. <laughs> I hope so. At some point, you, you've got to be able to get it. So, um, And that's going to change there in Boston, though, too, as this front goes through, right? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll cool off probably later on this afternoon into the 50s and probably the 40s tomorrow, but... In about four hours, I'm going to have the privilege of watching Gina McCarthy, the former head of the EPA, give the keynote address, and she's going to walk into that into that that audience of almost a thousand people and go, "So, who doesn't believe in global warming now? If that if that doesn't allow you to set the stage, right? I mean, when it's 67 yeah. degrees in Boston, she's going to be like, "Do I have to hit you over the head with a hammer?" <laughs> I get it. You know, she's from she's from the Boston area. That works at Harvard, so. This is about as good as it gets from a Stanford of being able to preach to the choir, right? All right. Well, you got to give, give us a forecast in about 20 seconds here, uh, Rick. Yeah, sure. No problem. So, mid-20s in the Chicagoland area today. Maybe a little bit of sleet and some drizzle tonight. No big deal. Uh, temperatures generally near normal over the next three to four days. Uh, but still, nothing in any significant Arctic cold coming back at us anytime soon, guys. All right. Well, I can't wait to hear stories. And then next week, you're on for a whole hour for Woo-hoo. us. So that's going to be fun. So we'll see you then. Looking forward to it. Thanks, All right. Take care. Thanks to all our guests today. Until next time, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. <laughs>